0: Welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast, the podcast that tries not to touch other people in the balls under any circumstances. This week on Heart and Hand, Mona come Dog! So, welcome to Heart and Hand names Podcast. My name's David Edgar, I'm your host, and I'm joined this week by two of the finest that we can bring to the Heart and Hand table. First up, uh, if he's not taking jobs abroad, he's in here firing off truth bombs,
2: it's Mr Ian Hogg. Good evening, David. Good evening, everyone out there in cyberspace.
0: And it's without doubt, uh, I, I would say the, kinda, the, the modern equivalent of Scott when it comes to crazy opinions, but far more talented and better looking, it's Mr Alex Staff.
1: Hi there, David. Hi there, Ian.
0: How are we doing, gentlemen? We are, uh, I think, all in good over this week, lads, as Rangers continued to put together a, a decent winning streak going into the Old Firm match with their sixth successive victory, being a while away, <laughs> since we can quote those kind of stats, um, by beating Falkirk 4 1 in the Scottish Cup, Jason coming for the hat trick and an own goal from. Uh, a, 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 He's named Muirhead Who we will come to later For other matters Muirhead of course Kind of spammed in The nearest you'll get To an own goal I think that can be scored By an opposition player If that makes sense Alex you said In your match report For Rangers was it Rangers News UK
1: Yeah
0: Yeah um, That although there were Some good performances There was only really one Shout for man of the match And I must admit It being you I was going into it thinking He's going to pick Bruno Alves isn't he but no, you had in fact played a, a conventional straight bat and gone for uh, Jason Cummings, who I thought had an absolutely superb 90 minutes.
1: Yeah, he played pretty well. And that's not, I mean, even if he took away his goals, he still had a, a pretty good game, I thought, especially playing slightly out of position on the left hand side. And Mimirello swapped over quite well. If he hadn't scored the goals, I might have been more tempted to give it to Greg Dockery. But um, yeah, certainly he was. He was certainly up there as one of the top performers, even uh, taking away the goals. And by the way, can I just say his first goal mm. was an absolute belter that I don't think gets or hasn't quite got a lot of credit so far. That was a cracking finish.
0: I think you could say the same about the second because the touch not only controls it but it brings it round. You know, it like from the wing into the position where he needs it. And then he just passes it perfectly into the corner of the net. They're two absolutely superb finishes. If the guy doesn't make the own or doesn't score the own goal, but his only other option is to make a miraculous clear you know, it would be an absolute top draw clearance, then Cummings was there to put it away. And excellent striking play to follow up and get on the end of it. I thought Hoggy that his work rate impressed me because uh, I think I've mentioned before when, when he was signed and you know, Hibs fans were going going kind of taunts on social media. A, a comment that came up a lot was, Oh, you guys will hate him because he's such a lazy bastard. He doesn't look like a lazy bastard.
2: No, he really, uh, he, he really put the shift in. First, first and foremost, a, 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 wee, uh, a wee mention for our first. Six match winning streaks since 1978, or at least it feels like it. <laughs> uh, and Cummings, I thought was it was it was excellent. He was industrious, and his touch and his finish was just natural. And it was just you know it's almost he's he's doing it unconsciously. It's just what he does. What really impressed me, however, was for all Morelos had. Let's face it, a bit of a stinker in front of goal. The pair of them are a pair of greedy bastards. Mm. I actually think that bodes well for us. Um, Morelos and a bit of a stinker, and Cummings is they are just almost expecting the mess up. And the, his third goal was was the kind of obvious example of that. He's the first two off the keeper, and he gets his hat trick. Whereas, you know, previously it's Morelos there that's that's, that's waiting on the mistake. So it's, it's um really encouraging performance yesterday. Not top draw by any manner of means. Uh, I thought Tavernier also was superb again mm. on the right-hand side. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, Doherty was excellent. Uh, Alves was interesting. And um, I, I think all in all it bodes well going into the small matter of the, the game against the wee team next week.
0: People like a debate and they're going to get one later on There's one that I genuinely can't make my mind up about So I will be looking to both of you for a bit of guidance more than anything else But there's one other when we come to look at the team that may take to the field next week But um, interesting first half, as I say Rangers Never really looked like not winning the match And got the goal, of course conceded Very scrappy, let's be honest, bit of a fluke Equaliser, but then 28 seconds later, we're back in the lead, three one at half time. The game was done and dusted. There was never the feel of there was going to be a cup shock, and I think that anyone who Alex hadn't seen us, they'd been away three months working, or in prison. That was something that used to happen at my primary school when people's dads were, you know, people the kind of rough kids, their dads were working on the rigs, like for six to twelve yeah i yeah. don't I don't think so but if if anyone had had seen us in the run up to Christmas and then buggered off and came back we looked like a completely different team not only in the football we're playing which is significantly better but the way that they carry themselves their attitude they are i I don't know i mean it, it's hard to put into words body language is an over over analyzed aspect but there's just something different about them that you maybe can't identify, but you can see. Does that make any sense?
1: Yeah, yeah. You can see there's a bit more confidence in a lot of them, um, and the actions, things like they're willing to pass to each other even when the other players under a bit of pressure. Yeah, because they get confidence not only in themselves but and their teammates. Now, that I don't think was there, you know, as what well, was two months ago, three months ago. Sorry, so there's that at least I think uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong David have I heard you saying in the past that of all the kind of styles of football and teams that you enjoyed watching if you had a choice to make Rangers into a certain type of team you would have had them like Alec Ferguson's Real Madrid uh, no Alec Ferguson's Man United sorry when they had Ronaldo Tevez Rooney
0: yeah but well, just the. Clutter, I mean my favourite style of football is the, the best Ferguson teams which that one already had won in the mid 90s Um, where they had guys uh, I think it was like um, uh, Keenan Ince in midfield and they had Kinchelskis and Sharp and Giggs you know were were the three wingers that would would interchange Um, I I love see fast direct attacking football where it's not long ball uh, or anywhere close to it but it's all about getting forward working hard making runs great passing beating a man to create space look I admire Teams that can play wonderful possession football. It's just not my, you know, not my favourite. I like teams that can go from one end of the park to another with four or five wonderful passes. Um, that, that's why I love to see the fourth goal against Hamilton a few weeks ago. Uh, I, I just absolutely adored. Or uh, Josh Windas's goal against St Johnson. That's my kind of football.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and even if you look at Josh Windass' goal against St Johnson If you look at the build-up before that yeah. They've actually kept possession a little bit But then all of a sudden it's just bang You know, one-two passes, you're through Parting Fistle, Josh Windass, the goal, the first goal Three or four passes were up there at the end of the park It's definitely a tactic, you can see it a mile away We're looking to play that way And even, um, sorry, even Cummings' hatchet goal yesterday was Came from Windass breaking away Squaring Morelos, who should have scored and then Cummings followed in All very quick It seems to me that It's not just um, It's not just a confidence thing It's not just that they're Playing a bit better They've now been given a, An actual game plan You know mm. They've been given a directive And it's a bit easier For a player like Windass For example a place that has strengths When we win that ball back You run Forest. You know what I mean <laughs> That's exactly what it's like <laughs>
0: Oh, that comparison's valid on so many levels Um, No, you're right And it's almost like the team is beginning to have an identity After, really I mean, Warburton had an identity I don't think I don't think he achieved it But I could see what he wanted it to be I don't think anyone could deny that they didn't know What that Rangers team was supposed to be But I think that under Pedro I never got the impression Or I couldn't see Any form of visible identity being built he spoke well and he spoke a lot about things that sounded interesting but very rarely did they translate onto the field in a coherent fashion whereas yes I can see what you're saying with this Rangers team and it is a tactic about using what we we have and and not worrying about what we don't. and again then just to further it and I'll I'll let Alex finish off his point here because he made it but then straight on to you Hoggy the signings Alex for the first time in a long time and even Warburton, who, as stated, had a philosophy, didn't seem to do this. The signings fit that profile then of powerful, direct, decent technically, but maybe not technical marvels. If you look at guys like Doherty, he fits that, because he box-to-box, he can drive. Goss, he passes, but he's a he's like Michael Carrick in a way. You know, he, he likes to pass through teams and quickly and forward a lot. He's not a... A knitter together in midfield really Sean Goss, he can do that But he's looking to get you on the front foot You've got Cummings Who's pace likes to get in Likes to get a shot away It's as if for once Alex, we've actually signed players To fit something we're trying to do
1: Yeah and that's been the most exciting thing About the January transfers Is that they've all done that You, you know we had to see it in action Before we could really appreciate it But, you know, obviously they mentioned all the players there, and Murphy's the same as well in an attacking sense, it's just all, it's direct, it's intelligent, you know, there's intelligence there, but they're not overplaying, they're not doing anything too, too complicated, it's still very good when it works, but it's not overly complicated, like, you know, the Warburton system probably was, really. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just a bit too much. It was for um, the guys that were playing. To it, it play the teams, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas uh, Graham Murray's obviously just decided. Right, okay, we're not even going to give teams time to set up defensively. We win that ball back; it's going forward straight away. Um, and it's not, you're right. It's not a long ball or anything like that. But it's uh, you can see the evidence in the goals that we're
2: scoring that it's it's having a, a good effect. Hoggy. Um a wee a smile on my face there David When you talked about my pal Mark Warburton yes. And his identity I think uh, the, the, the year of the snake springs to mind um, <laughs> Moving on from that however the, 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 the Two things on um, Identity And game plan And confidence The total embodiment of all of that Just now is Josh Windass Maybe except when he's on Twitter um, When he's on the football park Three months ago Windass would consciously or unconsciously hide when the going got tough. Um, it was it, because he had so little confidence and because he just he, he wasn't getting it, he, the performances weren't coming. Now, even when he's playing poorly, and with, he's maybe had a couple of poor games in the past you know, six or seven, he's never hiding, he's always shown for the ball, it's not always coming off but he always wants it and he's always trying to link up the play. There's the embodiment of this side over the past couple of months. Um, And then add to that the the kind of fast directness, the, the, the going forward. You're right, all the players just fit now. And is it any surprise that the players fit when we're playing them broadly in their natural preferred positions? It's been the first time in quite a long time that we've seen that. Players playing natural positions and, lo and behold, we're playing fast-flowing football. Um, And I guess the last thing I'd say on it, David, is for the support watching it, hands up anyone who hasn't enjoyed the last six games.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, that would be... Anyone who who's, you can pick folks in it, absolutely, but anyone who hasn't overall enjoyed it, because as I say, we look at like winning games, we expect to win them, and we do, and we score goals, and I don't really know what else you can ask for from a Rangers team. Uh, just when we're talking about Warburton as a, a little aside, now we all watch the games back of course, and Sky's commentary yesterday was David Weir, did either of you hear
2: David Weir comms? I watched wish- I watched it back uh, Late last night David And I, p- I felt like hitting mute
0: Jesus The Reverend I.M. Jolly I mean What a fucking Boring bastard Davey Weir was And it just made me think About Can you imagine him In Warburton Trying to give the Any given Sunday Speech <laughs> You know <laughs> the, la- the last week of, sorry, sorry, I was sorry I was falling asleep there It reminded me of the most Boring priest in the world You know the guy With a voice like that It, it was like that um, Right
2: there
0: obviously no longer a favoured son of Rangers uh, we'll see what the future brings for Davey Weir but and sh- oh. and, and
2: everything during the commentary was blah 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 <laughs> and that and that was very good <laughs> can, oh my, choose a different phrase however still better than Andy Walker agreed okay. okay. yeah yeah was so, yeah, so
1: yeah, damning
0: him by fame praise yes and I know but I'll take incremental improvement you know, in all honesty, but I i, I was watching it and I'm like, Jesus Christ, he's going to... Because he's tired anyway, watching it later and then. Yeah, I thought uh, Davey Weir, maybe not built for a career in, in co-coms, that's, that's all I'm saying. So, it's opened up, obviously, uh, a few selection dilemmas. We're just about to come to those, but before we do, let's have our weekly chat about referees. Because... In the first half, just before Falkirk's score, they have a free kick and there's some jostling in the box, which you know you come to expect. And David Weir suddenly goes to the ground holding his balls.
2: David,
0: David, David Weir? David, sorry. David Bates, sorry, sit Ranger Centre-half, David Bates. For, yeah, David, David <laughs> Weir <laughs> fell to the ground holding his balls. Luckily he was in the commentary box and, and he was able to recover. Um, but David Bates fell to the ground clutching his clutching George Dawes. And the referee, Craig Thompson, runs over and books the 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 defender Muirhead, the full cup defender. The 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 thing's shown back and Muirhead has a swing and looks as though he sort of flicks definitely connects, flicks our boy in the nuts. Alex How is that a yellow card?
1: this is the question that I think it's fair to ask. It's not like we're being um, you know, paranoid here or anything like that, you know, any of that nonsense. That's now two instances in two games, both involving baits. where the referee must have seen something, or he doesn't book a player. Mm. Yeah what he's seen is surely a red card defence. Surely, in both occasions it is. So I, I just don't I, I'd love to know their justification for only giving a yellow both times. Um, and especially on, on Sunday. Because, you know, come on. Come on. If if you can't sympathise, if you can't think to yourself, that's definitely offside, man. You've got to go for that. When somebody punches somebody in the balls, then then really, what, what have you got to do? <laughs> get yourself sent off. Well,
0: Muirhead you know? said afterwards that he had just flicked him to try and get it away. All of us know how painful a flick in the balls is. A flick in the balls is ludicrously sore. It can end up actually making you puke. And as you say any man who who allows that on another man that's just wrong he should be like flicked him in the balls you fucking bastard you know do you know how much nausea that can cause that's really off just don't go for another man's balls is it that difficult to 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 realize I've managed to get through life without grabbing people's balls and I've played football and it never occurred to me I'm going to grab his balls I just didn't do that but even at that joking aside the thing is, Hoggy, it's not about how much contact you made. We're told this over and over again. It's intent. We're told that, and and I think we've we've got our head around it as, as even old fashioned football fans that tackles don't need to, you know, get the guy. It's it's if you go in dangerously, you'll be off. You can get the ball and still be sent off. What other intent is there with that if you're swinging well, well, your arm into somebody's midriff?
2: Those those past two games that we've had, um, we've had a St. Johnson defender take a swinging boot at poor David Bates, Ginger Boz, um, and maybe not quite connect, but he's taken a swinging boot, and he gets booked. So the referee has seen him boot David Bates, and it's a booking for violent conduct, which is a sending off every day of the week and Muirhead can say, I only tried to flick him in the balls. He takes a fucking swing at him, and he connects, and Bates is down, and his poor ginger nuts have got it again. Um, there is an element of humour, clearly, because his balls. Someone, someone else getting hit in the balls is funny. But in all seriousness, there's another case of violent conduct that the referee, a different referee, has seen, And he produces a yellow card. So the question to both refs is, why are you not sending players off for violent conduct? And the second question is then, if Ryan Jack is getting sent off for having his feet stood on, and if Ryan Jack is getting sent off for being grabbed round the neck by Anthony Stokes, neither of them violent conduct, what the fuck is going on?
0: Now I think that I'll play devil's advocate here a wee bit. I I agree, Hoggy. I think there has identified Alex that this is blatant anti-ginger racism, and I think we would all agree with that and say that it must be it must be stamped out, um, especially on the ginger prince. But referees, I. Believe can say that something isn't violent conduct but is in fact ungentlemanly conduct, and you can get away with only giving a yellow card for that. So, for instance, standing on someone's foot, not stamping, but you know, going over. uh We saw that at the weekend on Match of the Day when a player just goes over and kind of stands on the other guy's foot deliberately, but not in a violent, you know, not in a stamping way. Um, and I'm sure we have all had that happen to us at a corner kick at one point or Hoggy you have bound to have done it several thousand of times <laughs> in matches but that if the ref sees it he would more than likely say that's ungentlemanly conduct which basically appears to be you know, you're, you're being a bit of a narky twat rather than you're at it but I don't see how a kick and a swing of the arm into a, an opponent can be classed as ungentlemanly conduct because they are both acts. No matter how well the per you know how well the guy undertakes them, if he lands it or not, they're still that that fall under the very wide-ranging header of violent conduct, and they should be dismissals.
2: Let, let's 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 imagine for a wee second, David, that this coming Sunday, um, let's take any Rangers player let's call him Alfredo Morelos, boots Kieran Tierney in the balls and then follows it up with a swinging punch to the balls. Is that one yellow card or two yellow cards?
0: Um, Probably just one straight one. But,
2: yeah, I I know what you're saying, and
0: everybody agrees with it. That's the thing. But we, we don't seem to ever highlight it now, Alex you've been on here before and you've said there's no point highlighting it, it doesn't do any good, in fact it's just as likely to turn the refs further against you than it is but in an instance like this, where Rangers have two instances in a week, is there not a difference between highlighting you know, bad referees or trying to control the narrative as Hoggy says, and, and simply saying publicly we have these two incidents, we would like to know why these are not just for future you know and, and at least introduce it into the conversation because out with Rangers fan this has not been spoken about and this is not something that, that is getting any attention and because Rangers have won the two matches they, they they didn't particularly affect the outcome of the two matches they've both been kind of forgotten about I don't think they should be I think Rangers should be coming out and saying These two incidents to us look like red card offences. We can't understand why they're not. Could the SFA explain to us quite what the decision-making process is, as other clubs have done in the past? And that, that, I think, at least brings it to the front and at least makes referees think, actually, I can't get away with what what I do genuinely believe as a sort of... uh, Rangers are much better than them anyway I don't want to be too harsh on them It's just Falkirk or St Johnston are getting pumped here I'm not going to send them off I think that it it might act as a reminder That no I'm sorry there are rules And you have to apply them That is your job It might yeah I mean I I
1: know I'm quite uh, Quite uh, I can't think of the right word I'm a bit of a dick with this argument Um, Is probably the best way to describe it uh, I can see both sides of it. Trust me. I think that I w- I'd be very surprised if there's not been a a phone call or, or or some or some sort of contact with the SFA to ask why was that on their yellow card from the club. Whether they would whether it's best to do it publicly, I don't know. The, my reason is, David, you said there no one else is talking about this, but Rangers fans they're not going well. If they are going to talk about it It's not going to be in any sort of balanced Rational way when we see it You know, mm. I just feel as though If you're going to start a conversation about refereeing In Scotland, Rangers are the wrong people To start that conversation Because we don't we don't get a, a fair hearing From anybody So, you know I think all clubs should be Asking some serious questions about it Because all of them have struggled with in some way this season Through some horrendous refereeing But Unfortunately, if we bring it up first, it's only going to just turn into a look at at the accounts morning,
0: you Mm. know. Um, no, I I understand that, but even from that point of view, I still think it's worth doing just as I say, so that, that if it becomes public, regardless, the SFA, I think, will say to the referees, you know, look, rules are rules, we understand that maybe you know, human emotion has overrode your decisions there, but you need to apply if it's a red card. Even if a team's getting pumped, you need to do the red card. That is the only kind of benefit I can see happening. I don't expect... The problem that we have is, and we can talk about this over and over, and we will, but until the SFA fundamentally look at the standard of refereeing in this country, we're going to keep having these these conversations. Because over and above whether or not you believe referees are... referee Rangers in a different fashion, and I know that all three of us do believe that Rangers are refereed to a different standard than other teams... I watched the games on Scotsport this week, I don't normally, and I saw some ludicrous decisions in the other games as well. There was our man John Beaton, of course, with his penalty given to Celtic for a foul on the halfway line. There was the Motherwell game with a goal incorrectly disallowed for Motherwell. There are bad, bad game-changing decisions happening all across Scotland um, in matches which have absolutely no effect on Rangers or Celtic, so it's not that. It's because the standard of refereeing is utter toilet
1: there's that as well I actually think the first step for me because we don't have the cash in this country to turn referees professional and it doesn't look like we do um, so, so you know that would be the, the biggest step it would make a difference it's never got, nothing's going to be perfect but that would make a big difference but I think a kind of intermediate step would be to allow referees to explain decisions or at least you know maybe not directly but they've got to write a report after the game that, that's going to have that yellow card mentioned and the reason for the yellow card, release that. Let the fans know what the referee's thinking was. And if it just turns out it was flawed, wrong thinking, and he's seen something that we haven't, and the replays have given us the benefit you know, of, of a much better decision, then at least we'll be able to turn in and say, okay, he just fucked that up. But that's now two decisions in a row where you have to ask, if they're not seeing that as violent conduct, what the hell are they seeing? Mm. Because and we will and we'll never know. We'll never be told, uh, and that just you know that then just makes the whole debate meaningless in many respects. Because you know one side's not able to engage in it.
0: No, that's a fair point, Hoggy.
2: Um, you know me, David. I'm, I'm a I am ai think Rangers, especially this season, have been refereed to different standards. Uh, I'm a big one for wanting to try and control the narrative. Um, and by that, I mean, I like this stuff. And if it sows seeds of doubt so that these things aren't happening or folk think twice, then great. Um, I'd like what, what I don't want Rangers to do, however, is come out with Marty or Jimmy Nicol all guns blazing in the press conference with a negative spin saying that was so shit. Because because then I think what Alex saying is, is, is true. That's how it would be picked up immediately. I think how we go about it, to introduce it as a topic, is you actually almost spin it positively with the upcoming game on Sunday. You talk about the decisions that have gone against us and clearly two potential but not game-changing decisions over the past couple. You hope the referee, whoever he is, has a smashing game and nothing like that occurs. And it just starts to sew it into people's minds, but you're doing it in a positive way.
0: Well, I think that the the overriding concern here is David Bates's balls, because yeah. can you imagine the state of them by now? I mean, they will be purple, and I mean downstairs is going to look like a seventies carpet when you consider his you know already redheaded status when uh, I mean, you, you fire in big purple shiny bruises as well and I think Rangers are quite within the right to release a picture of David Bates' testicles and say would you look at the state of this, this young lad's um, you know, his, his testes we need protection for our centre half's crown jewels
2: well, wait, can, can you imagine on Christ you remember the outcry and uh, David on the Patreon site, you and uh, Happy Jack, the, the Gaza, uh, the, the, the Gaza shows which were superb, and you talked about him um, playing the flute at Parkhead, or playing the imaginary flute. Can you imagine David Bates scoring the winner and down come the shorts, <laughs> and all you see, all you see is orange and purple? The place <laughs> would <go> fucking mad.
0: <laughs> I think as well that that. The the players should do, you know, like it's becoming fashionable that when a player gets injured, the rest of his teammates wear t shirts saying, you know, like don't give up yeah. and you know you'll be back from your hamstring injury in three weeks, that kind of thing. I think our players should take to the field saying, we are all Bates's balls. And That's
1: a fantastic idea. I think on, I know they're in the
0: shops. So yeah, yeah, like we are all Bates's balls. Get behind it, folk. There, there's a hashtag, Bates's balls. Or Bates Balls, because that extra S is just going to confuse things. Bates Balls, we are all Bates Balls, and uh, we're we're behind your nuts, David. I want you to know that, son. I want you to know that we are 100% in lockstep with uh, the contents of your shorts. Now, moving on, we have two uh, selection dilemmas, lads, I think, for this upcoming game. Uh, The news, very early news, obviously, um, about the the two injuries, main ones being Declan John and Jamie Murphy, is that Rangers are pretty hopeful. I think if you listen to Graham Murray yesterday, um, that that's the 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 talk that was being put out uh, across the media that they're very hopeful that John and Murphy will come back. So let's just imagine for a second that that's the case, right? John and Murphy are, are playing. I think that only really leaves two spots open, because I think the rest of the team is picked, if that's the case. Would we agree then that the back four, if that was the case, Wes will obviously be in goal, the back four will be Tav on one side, John on the other, and then the centre-back positions we're just about to talk about. Dockertine Goss will play midfield, Kandias and... Uh, Murphy will play wide And Windass will be a second striker Would we both agree, or would you both agree That that is likely Those positions are in fact nailed down For next week
2: Definitely,
0: 100% yes yeah, Right, centre back um, Let's let's kick off With a more contentious one Now, Bruno Alves played yesterday And I thought he looked uh, Very rusty I thought he looked Slow Uh, I thought he looked great in the air he always does but I thought he looked cumbersome Uh, I thought he drops far too deep to cover for what I suspect he realises is a lack of pace and he confused the rest of the defence several times who kind of didn't know whether to go with him or stay further forward or whatever and he gave away several stupid free kicks repeatedly that a better team would have punished I think Russell Martin will come back in I think Bates is already selected and I would probably agree with that but Alex you said earlier today to me um, that you felt that Alves is the best centre half at the club although you did say and I will point this out in fairness uh, that you wouldn't play him on Saturday because he's he's not fit enough yet but I kind of don't know how you've arrived at that conclusion based on what we have seen if I'm being totally honest with you so take the floor
1: uh, it's been based upon games such as St Johnson away, if you remember the corner barrage game. Um, Hibs away, especially second half, when we were right under the cosh. I would say only the second half.
0: I, I thought he had a very poor first half that
1: night. He made one mistake, which was lighting a guy on onside. Um, he then shepherded him out and forced him to play a ball back away 25 yards and then had to still be the closest person to the shot. Because everybody else stood about going Oh what do we do um, And then there was Aberdeen at home Where he, he strolled it like some sort of fucking god To be honest he he has He's had those games And I did say it's been less than a handful For his It's not been a huge amount When he's fully fit I believe overall he's our best defender I don't think And I say this with you know, all the love for Batesy's testicles That we've, we've shown I don't think there's a huge amount of competition In there to say that I don't think, you know, I'm not as critical Of Russell Martin as a lot of people have been But, uh, you know I know that he's A a good defender at his best He's never been a great one you know. Mm. Bates is still learning and he has Some great games like he had When he came on against Celtic And some horrendous games like Kelly Away for example That's just going to happen with him The only other one that would be better would be McCrory And that's still going to be proven because we've only seen him for you know, less than a dozen games So I just think that if he's fully fit Alves is our best defender But he is nowhere near fully fit at the moment Absolutely nowhere near it That was his first start of the year uh, in Sunday out And it showed a It showed a mile away um, As you said, David, he was, he was just off He was off he was, he was a yard away from his pressing Which is why he's giving away the fouls You know, because he's not getting out as quick as he usually would To a player or such Like I, I see Money gave away in the second half and just from the angle I sat at I could see Graham Murray, you know, in my eye line and Murray was fuming with a daft foul that he gave away. I, 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 I think you're right, there's no way Alves starts um against Celtic because I don't think Murray was impressed with how he played at all.
0: I don't want anybody going away from this and thinking that, oh, Davy said that um, David Bates and Russell Martin are better players than Bruno Alves, because I'm not, (laughs) right? I'm talking about right now, this week, who is likely to put in a better display. And I just felt that he was, as I see, so far off the pace against a pretty poor side that I would have worried badly if it had been a better side who would have caused them more of an issue. And, I mean, Hoggy, you know that position well I'd agree with everything Alex said, to be honest That, yes, Alves, certainly I mean, you cannot look at his ability Whether he can still access that ability As he gets older, I don't know I don't think we've seen it regularly enough for Rangers But, in terms of abilities, head and shoulders The best defender that we have But, I don't think at the moment He can go into that, that match and offer us as much as the other two well currently
2: I posed a question to you guys on our, um, well it's our group that shall remain under strict lock and key forever um, should Alves come back in, that was before yesterday um, I think his performance yesterday almost nails down Bates and Russell Martin, Russell Martin started okay he's not exactly set the header light. I think the the uh, the 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 last game at Ibrooks that we played there, um, we had at one point in the first half, in the first fifteen minutes or so, Alves trying to calm Martin and Bates down, um, and I wondered how Alves would play yesterday after such a long layoff, and the answer, especially for the especially in the first half, was not very well. Um, so I I think it's. I think it's an I think it's an absolute stick on David that is is barring injury, it's Bates and Martin. Unless Rangers get a kind of bounce game that's been touted uh, under the belts this week, and Alves turns in, he he would have to turn in some performance, probably with ninety minutes, to have any shout of, of starting on Sunday.
0: Mm. I mean, it is difficult because of course you're tempted, you know, it's Bruno Alves and you you, you want to chuck him in, and there is. I suppose the argument that a guy of his experience might thrive in that atmosphere. And also the fact is, you're right, it's not like Martin or Bates have absolutely nailed a place that says, yes, I am undroppable. So uh, I can understand the temptation, but you're right. I think that yesterday there was just too many rough edges that will get sanded off with more game time. But it's too big a game too quickly, in my opinion, to bring him in.
1: Yeah, you've got to consider the opposition as well. Um, Bruno Alves will win headers all day, probably until the day he dies. <laughs> let's be honest, right? The guy will be beating, you know, any player to a header at the age of ninety, probably. But Celtic aren't going to get many, very, many, very, many high balls played. That's not their game. You know, it's by a mile the least in the league for that sort of style of play um, or that sort of pass so yeah he may have been useful with a set pieces but uh, you know that's that's all a bit of a lottery anyway in many respects so y- there's no need to, to bring Bruno Alves in thinking that we're going to get barraged with, with, with long high balls it's not going to happen and Russell Martin probably suits this game better even taking away the fact that he's you know a good bat head in terms of match sharpness
2: yeah what I would say David is Whoever we pick at the back, they both have to have a good game next Sunday. Oh yeah. So simple as that. there's there's going to be an element of almost good fortune about it that we've got to have two guys who are absolutely on it for ninety minutes. For me, it would be Bates and one other, um, and it's it's a bit of a toss-up really for me between Russell Martin and Bruno Alves Martin wins it simply because he's had more game time recently
0: mm. uh, I, I, I wouldn't disagree with that uh, I think that uh, will be the decision as well, I just, uh, I think Graham Martin's, in his view, his strongest team is the one that took to the field against Hearts, and I mean in terms of not with the long-term injury guys, you know your McCrory's etc, I think that he feels with the current squad that is, but the other position, which has become more interesting, clearly, is up front, where Alfredo Morelos had a very poor match. Jason Cummings scored three. And, of course, the clamour is to get him in. Morelos was awful. Was, you know, missed good chances in the game against... I was going to say he was poor against Celtic. last. he wasn't. He played well. He just didn't score two glorious chances that he should have. But, in balance to that... Against St Johnston, he was absolutely superb. He was the best best player in the park, in my opinion. So, do you go and say, "Well, hat trick, hot streak, put him in," or do you go, "No, nah, look at his all round game. We know what he'll do. I'm going to stick with him. He he's the better player, and he's my man." What do you think? What would you do first of all, Alex? And what do you think Graham Motty will do?
1: I would play Morelos and I'm convinced Murphy will play Morelos and the Cummings will be on the bench I also believe I suppose there's a couple of reasons there there's no guarantee you know just because Jason Cummings scored a hat-trick there doesn't mean he's automatically going to have a better game than Morelos in the next one you know that's kind of the flaw with that argument you know Morelos has had a, a very good consistent season the odd performance aside and unfortunately The game against Falkirk was one of those performances. But, uh, you know, there's every chance. He's got as good a chance of playing well as Cummings does, despite the fact that Cummings got the hat-trick in the last game. I would say, I don't know if you guys would agree with this, if you had those two options and you figured you wanted one of them to come off the bench and make a big impact in the game, Cummings is more likely to be a good impact from the bench than Morelos is.
0: There in again, my opinion, I think Marellus takes about ten minutes to get fully into a game, and there are some players that don't make. But that I don't mean that he doesn't do it. I just mean you can see him almost warming up, and you know he gets the elbows loosened and he gets the his backside working and starts winning the ball. Um, and some players are good impact players. I think Cummings has got that in his locker. The other thing for me, why I would go for Marellus is I think his all-round game is better. So while the argument could be put forward that Jason Cummings is probably Possibly More likely to get you a goal I think Loss is more likely to be involved In moves that lead to goals uh, You know what I mean I think that we've got other goal scorers on the side as well as the main striker Which we didn't have at Parkhead incidentally uh, As we saw if the, if the striker didn't score We were kind of fucked for goals That's not the case now Especially if Murphy's back And I think that he's a better team player Although I do think that in time Cummings might prove to be the better goal scorer simply because I think he's a more natural finisher I think at times you can see with Alfie that he's he's learning to finish a lot of the time I think you can see that uh, in his development but for me, just from a team aspect, yes, and also exactly what you say, I remember Hoggy and I discussing this uh, at the time on one of the pods where one of the things that really broke our hearts about that 0-0 draw was when it was clear that Morelos was not going to be capable of, of hitting a cruzars with a banjo that day. We had nothing on the bench to bring on. Whereas the last thing Celtic would have wanted that day when we were on top would have been us being able to go on you go Jason, you know, and, and, and giving him twenty minutes. And I like that that opportunity if we've got so yeah, I would do the same Hoggy, I mean would you would you do anything different?
2: that, nah, I think um, it would be a clean sweep for me. It would be Morelos. Uh, I think it, it's it's no surprise that Cummings seems to play well and scores goals when Morelos is in the team. Uh, I think we see sometimes Cummings when he comes on for Morelos can struggle a little bit because of this because of the way that we, and we've already talked about this because of the way that we set it up fast and direct and so on. Sometimes that requires the physicality, the ability to hold the ball, the the ability to bring the midfield or the white guys into play. Morelos has got that in spades. Um, another reason I would play Morelos is when he does have a stinker, invariably his next game, he has a top game. I was seeing that recently. was a thistle to, um, to St. Johnstone. Um, was it Thistle? Thistle? I think no, it was uh, to St. Johnson. Uh, that
0: it was St Johnson.
2: Apologies. So, so we saw that then. You know, against Hars, he was poor. Uh, certainly, from a finishing point of view, St. Johnson top. He was poor. Uh, poor against Falkirk. I would be expecting he'll be itching to go. However, Cummings will be itching to go as well. I just think he is. Uh, if if it's if it's a question of either or. You know, all the evidence points to Morelos has to start.
0: Well, I think that people, some people will be listening saying, I, why are you talking like it's either or? Why don't we play both of them? I'll be honest, I think it's because there is no chance, not even a tiny, minute chance, that they both play and Josh Windass doesn't. Maybe if Jamie Murphy doesn't play, Windass might go left then, possibly. But other than that, no, I... I Alex, am I completely mistaken here? I just think there's no well, chance of that We've got
1: five attacking players And in many respects we take a bit of a risk Playing four from the start uh, And, you know, the fifth one is usually Jason Cummings on the bench You know, those are the kind of five A, a front four, a regular front four um, of late And then, you know, Cummings coming off the bench As is, is, is the players that were, we're looking to fit in Somehow you can't play all five them. no way of doing that Um and then, I think I think Cummings played quite well in the position yesterday. Um, I thought he was a bit better when well, he did switch with Morelos. I thought Morelos was almost a bit more effective wide, and Cummings was you know he got more, his first two goals from being in a central area. Uh, but I think Cummings was played there in the off chance. Probably shouldn't have said it, the off chance, on the chance that, that Murphy doesn't make it and then he might actually be tempted just to play Cummings wide left again um, and have a real go, rather than the other option, which would be, as you say, move Windass wide and maybe even bring in a midfielder and be a bit more solid as such. I think Murray's made his mind up that he's going to have a real go at them in this one, so that was the reason for for Cummings playing that position instead of changing the formation um, against Falkirk.
0: That wouldn't you know, gut me if Jamie Murphy didn't make it as the solution, but I'd be gutted if Jamie Murphy didn't make it because I think he's absolutely key to our chances of winning that game. I think his influence I don't think we're completely screwed without him, but I'd feel a hell of a lot better with him in the team. I think everybody would,
1: yeah. Um from from the minute you went off injured. There's been a, a collective uh, praying he uh, makes a game hasn't he yeah. uh, from our fans so yeah there's uh, everybody wants him on the pigeon and you know what Jimmy Murphy's the sort of player that even if he doesn't play well he'll have an influence on the game because you know he's intelligent he's moving he's attacking so the way he stretches defences and things like that um, they'll they've struggled at right back all season the person who they've played most of the season is suspended I'm not sure what they'll know the exact answer for how to deal with him on that side of the pitch.
0: Now, moving on, uh this week that we had a, a couple of interesting things that uh pop up in the paper about these times before matches. That there seems to be a new fashion among among Tim's, uh or or ex Tims that you know they've got their greatest hits that they like to play at times like this. You know, when I was growing up in Cameroon. I I listened to the BBC World Service to hear tales of Mark McGee and Davy Proven playing for the famous Celtic, and when the aid truck arrived, I was hoping for a Celtic Sabutio team. That's one of their, their favourites. A new one seems to be, when I played for Celtic, I was in terrible fear of my life, which I kept under wraps for decades and never thought to mention up until you phoned me for this interview. Um, we I'm sure, of course, that, that we'll all recall how Peter Grant had a golf ball thrown at him with a nail through it that, unfortunately, no one can seem to remember, no papers seem to reference, and there's no footage of, which is odd. You would have thought something like that would be noticed in a game at Ibrox. I'd like to think I'd notice, you know, see if somebody threw a golf ball into the park. I'd, I'd like to think I'd remember that. Yeah? Unless,
2: like it, think. Yeah. yeah, unless, unless it was a green golf ball with a green nail, you know, and and I'm I'm pretty suggest that's maybe unlikely. It was, it was
0: probably unlikely. Yeah, I don't like really call Peter Grant a liar, but I will. Um, and then of course there was Didier Agat going to training in his armoured car. <laughs> who, who?
2: Which one of you guys remembers Didier Agat driving around Glasgow, <laughs> Milton McCamsey and Lennox Town in the fucking Batmobile?
0: <laughs> exactly. exactly. Uh, yeah, Didier Agat, who uh, you may have seen, was couldn't couldn't even go for a curry um, at that time, but again, miraculously kept it under his hat all these years. Joe Miller, who, of course, was almost shot and killed in a match um, in in Belfast in the 90s that didn't take place by JFK's assassin and uh, luckily managed to make it back to help Real Madrid to win 10 consecutive Scudettos and the latest one to join this this club is Pierre van Hooydonk, former Celtic player of the 90s who left rather acrimoniously but... Is now back doing um, events as you know, come meet Celtic legend Pierre van Hooydonk. And I'm sure that's got nothing to do with this, incidentally, I'm sure. It's totally unrelated. He said that uh, it was scary. Someone once came to his door, spat at him, and ran away. And another time that he uh, was sent razor blades in the post. Now, I've been sent razor blades in the post. It was a free offer from Gillette. I didn't take it as a threat on my life. I think he may just be confusing advertising and threatening behaviour. But this is bollocks, isn't it? Pretty much.
1: Um, Certainly, you know, if you want to be kind to him, and we don't want to be kind to him, so uh, so you can just ignore what I'm saying here. But uh, at the absolute best, it's misremembering. And if you want to be cynical or truthful about it, it's just. uh, Telling some stories, hamming them up a bit to to sell some tickets to his his tour. Do you know what? I I have no doubt that he took some abuse while he was here. No doubt in my mind at all. That's going to happen. If they want stories, go and speak to Nacho Novo, go and speak to Demarcus Beasley, speak to these guys. They've got plenty to tell as well. But they haven't. Why have they not told them? Because it's just fucking par for the course, sadly. Mm. And they've just, you know, got on with it. Um, can't help but think though See Van Hoydonk was a bit late at Celtic And he said that someone came to his door Spatting him and ran away If he was like in the 2000s I would have fully expected that to have been Fernando Rixon.
0: <laughs> I think the
1: thing <laughs> it's sort of, he, just, he would have found that funny
0: I think those of us who remember uh, Pierre Van Hoydonk May have thought that if he was at a doorway And got covered in bodily liquids Then There'd be a more sinister story to it And it wouldn't be spit Necessarily, it was dripping up down his chin at the end of it, but uh, but that that would be on that would be unfair. But Hoggy I think he's, I think Alex has absolutely nailed it there. Um, it becomes scarcely believable, considering. Okay, maybe he doesn't want to say it at the time. Years later, we played Feyenoord in the yeah, UEFA Cup, and he scored twice. Played very well against this. Um, he didn't mention it then. He did mention that Dick Advocate had tried to sign him for Rangers, but he didn't mention this at the time, and it does make me question whether or not it's true.
2: So, Alex tried to be fair to the guy. I'll I'll be fair in my own way and call him a fucking liar. Um, I think if he's getting razor blades sent through the post. He's obviously subscribed to Cornerstone Well done And you've forgotten about it, Pierre hmm. um, I'm going to suggest that If someone had spat in your face In your doorway You'd have been all over the press about it Because let's face it Back in the day when he was at Celtic He was never out the fucking press um, Back
0: then, and I was- Hoggy If somebody spat in his face at his door Given the way he left Celtic in the last three months of his time there It was probably a Celtic fan
2: Indeed So, um And, of course, after all these years, he just happens to be on an ex-Celtic players' circuit and making money from it. Call me a dirty old cynic, but, Pierre, I think you're lying, mate. Much in the same way as I think DDA Batmobile is lying, the same way as I think Peter Grant was lying. And I must admit, the, the whole thing simply made me think of really the one and only... Uh, incident that we all actually saw when Paul Ludicaniel was threatening to break Ian Ferguson's legs and then utterly shattered no, and away. Don't don't away. That. So do yeah. you know let us let's, let's let's play a straight fat Pierre and I think straight bat is probably going <laughs> back to your Norway analogy. It just uh why
0: did he do this? I mean what how does Celtic What's this weird culture of oppression and victim? Not that, but why does it appeal to the Celtic support? I get why the papers print it, right? They're trying to stir it up. Of course, they would never do that. They don't want to see nasty scenes at the football. Very good, fuck off. But we know why they do it. What is this thing that Celtic supporters like? What this appeals to them? Why? What is this revelling in victimhood? What is this culture of oppression... This fetish to be, if you like, you know, held under somebody's boot, I don't get it. I don't understand why they need to make this shit up and why their audience reacts well to it. If we came on here in tears every week complaining about how shit a life was, it wouldn't be very successful. If, in a Celtic podcast, they did that and went, and it's because of the Huns, they would be top of the Apple charts. It's a weird thing I don't profess to understand. Help me I don't think there is I mean it's just I suppose from
1: a psychological point of view It's a bit of a a a shield You know You can uh, blame failure on everybody else Kind of like Alex Salmon's whole Approach to politics Really you know (laughs) Um, Just this idea that it doesn't matter how many mistakes He made uh, It was all some big bad person's fault Anyway so it's just about a psychological shield I think that's part of why it appeals to so many and you know again i'm, I'm being that hand wringer fair type it's not all celtic fans it's just a very noisy number of them um it's weird have you guys i'm guessing over the years you guys have maybe been to some some speaker dinners or, or such like mm, uh, yeah. i was at one recently and it was Murdo mcleod um who was there Telling some cracking stories And he was actually quite good But the difference is I know that he's Hamming up But he's making it Funny Yeah, yeah. You know he's, he's telling a couple of stories About McCoyst And Sooners And things that But funny stories and, and I know there's probably A bit of bullshit in there But you know They were a good laugh This is completely different You know If you're going to sell Tickets for a tour And that should approach Then great But if you're going to do it Like these guys are doing Then you know As I say It's kind of ridiculous And I just don't Have we ever had an equivalent, you know, help me out, guys. You maybe know better than me. Have we ever had any player, past or present, at the time, come out and and, and give us equivalent stories to us?
0: No, because I, I can't think of one. No, and, and as you mentioned earlier, Nacho certainly could. But Nacho comes out and talks about the things he does, he did for us, and maybe it, that is at the heart of it. But you know, Van Huydonk doesn't have an awful lot of those stories. You know, because he he did stay for a bit and then fuck off acrimoniously. It was, you know, to be on a Celtic Legends tour, aye. You know, Uh, I I think the Trade Descriptions Act there. Um, Which actually leads us on nicely to a final point. Hoggy, uh, this is one for all the the Celtic fans who will have listened to the end in the hope of being offended. Uh, You are going to be offended, but not in the way that you would like to be. Hoggy, UEFA.
2: Yes, so UEFA uh, UEFA published their uh, new outline coefficients uh, and it follows the past 10 years, would you believe, all the way back currently to I think it's 2007-2008, uh, my god that was a long season, 68 games for us, um, and we're on it. But recently. how? But How? Do you know, UEFA must have made a mistake because you know Jerry and Fergus and all the pals emailed UEFA continually. If you remember, <laughs> to tell them that we're a new club. So either UEFA have just fucking ignored them, or or it's a mistake. I, I I'm I'm guessing mistake, David.
0: Alex, the switchboard operator in Neon today must have been busier than on the day that they came and arrested uh set blatter it it must have been non-stop can i speak to the guy that deals with this? by the way Uh, huns are pure deed by the way uh Ah. continually for eight hours and it's i can only imagine right now what the crowdfunding is for probably as we speak composing an advert in arabic to go in a dutch newspaper
1: I was just going to bring up the advert because it's still. To, people who, don't, to thing. people who don't know, explain what that that was. I don't remember the the, the full ins and outs of this one because I just laughed about it too much. But um, as many of you will remember, Celtic fans commissioned two adverts: <laughs> one in English, and I believe the other was possibly was it French? French? Yeah. French? I thought so. Yeah, one in English and one in French to go on about that Resolution 12 and Rangers being a new club and, you know, just take the old called bingo um, and somehow managed to switch the languages around so that the English advert went into the French newspaper and vice versa, <laughs> making it a complete waste of time and money and honestly, it's still my absolute favourite piece of coin because it, you couldn't have wrote that, you could not have scripted that but if you if you put that on a comedy show Peter being like there's no way anybody's that fucking stupid um, if you put Tim's there, in a sitcom you yeah.
0: if you put Tim's in a sitcom then you're right people would just go this is this is so unrealistic I can't get into it at all. It's just nonsense. And you're like, no it's, do, it's, do you actually do this. This is sorry. how they behave.
2: It's it's up there with uh, my all time save co favourite uh from and I won't mention the band of Not Jobs, but their, uh, their slogan was, with Resolution 12, Persistence Beats Resistance. Oh, God. And, yeah. they, sh- and they sold T-shirts with the rapiest sounding <laughs> slogan ever. <laughs> it's kind of the anti-Me Too, that one, isn't it? I
0: mean, <laughs> it really Persistence is. Resistance. It's, 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 fuck, he wore that to the Oscars, which, let's face it, if one of them had been working there, they would have. Um that that would have got you lifted and and deservedly so you you, look tim's listening and i can't believe how often i need to tell you this you have no idea how high this goes okay just learn your lesson go back to the gutter complain to other all the other sewer rats this is not for you it's beyond your understanding anyway I think that will do us this week With a, a good old laugh at Celtic We'll be back later in the week For a full more tactical breakdown Of the match on Sunday um, Before I leave you tonight Just a reminder that you can get Loads and loads of content You've heard us reference some of it tonight On our Patreon site For just one ninety nine per month there's tons and tons of stuff there over uh, forty to fifty hours per month of New Rangers content, and it's got all types. We've got comedy shows. We've got we had an absolute mess of a comedy show with us and Tammy the other night that was Jesus um, that went up that wasn't uh, very funny. But we've got look backs at our classic teams, classic players, tactical breakdowns from Alex of the opposition, tactical breakdowns of post match from tactical experts. It's not me and hoggy; it's guys you know what they're talking about. Um, we've got all sorts And a daily news update as well Just to keep you right up to date With what's going on with Rangers All that it means for me to do then Is to thank our executive producers in London Mr Mightley and Mr Paul Myers To thank my guest tonight The wonderful Mr Ian Hogg
2: Thank you David as ever And uh, I'd just like to say I look forward to the meeting tomorrow night uh, Make sure you, uh, you wear that special shush, apron shush, shush Oh sorry Shush,
0: sorry. shush, it's a secret And of course the ever delectable Mr Alex Staff
1: Thank you David Always a pleasure
0: Thank you very much for listening, folks. We'll be back on Thursday. Till there, take care and remember, UEFA approved. We are still the people. Bye. Podcast Network.